My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, you guys seem quiet. Uh, I just wanted to say hello to you and welcome you if you're here for the first time. And I also want to welcome our online viewers and our Facebook viewers. Can we say hello to them, everybody? <laughs> Amen. Had a crazy morning this morning on my way in. I usually bring two shirts to church, and both of them fell in a puddle. So <laughs> I, uh, I got the, uh, the undershirt. So you guys have to work with me on that. Praise the Lord. I feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but, you know, you got to go with what you got. My wife's going to be like, why are you wearing that right now? Oh, sorry. Sorry. There you go. Hi, honey. I won't pose. I won't flex. I won't do anything, okay? I want to be good. All right. <sighs> Enough about me. What do you guys think about me? Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're in a series <laughs> entitled... I am really embarrassed right now. We're in a series... <laughs> entitled, You Asked For It, and it's basically uh, our reply to your questions, and uh, we're going to be modulating this series over the course of the next several weeks. This could be as much as a six-week series because of all the questions that came out, and we're trying to prioritize those and organize those, uh, but uh, we unanimously felt like the first one to address uh, was the subject of mental health, and um, so I'm going to kind of get into it quickly. I didn't even finish my message last service just because it's just so... It's just, it was a, um, it's a sensitive subject, and it's a very engaging subject as well. Um, and I'll start by, by, by saying this. Um, my um, experience is sometimes when, uh, as a spiritual leader, when I'm talking about certain things or going to be talking about certain things, ironically, I'm attacked in that thing, or I struggle with that thing on or before that happens. And... So coming, kind of coming out different today. Normally, I'm like swinging the bat for the, you know, for the rafters and you know high energy. But this week uh, was a tough week for me. I was actually really under uh, mental, you know, duress and stress and assault and crazy thoughts and uh, is is just not. It, I felt like Nacho Libre. It sucks to be me right now. <laughs> no stretchy pants. Ah. It was just a terrible week. It was a terrible week, to be honest with you. Until yesterday, kind of had a little bit of a breakthrough yesterday where I had to kind of practice what I preach and apply some of the things that I was... But sometimes you dig into a subject and you can, you can find yourself dunked in it. You know what I mean? Uh, dipped in the darkness of it uh, before you know it. And so that's, that's just one thing I just wanted to say. Um, and I don't know how that affects you, but I think we just sometimes have to be real if my disposition is a little different. The second thing I wanted to say was, um, this is a sub, I've been in ministry almost 28 years this May, and um, I, I, only one time have I talked about um, this subject before, and uh, it was very short and sweet kind of message, um, and, and I guess I wanted to say I apologize for that, because this is a, this is a serious subject, it's a highly relevant subject, and a lot of people are affected by this subject. Uh, what's interesting is even in my own family, um, and I, I'm not just—I'm just telling my story. You guys have yours, but I'm doing this for the point of relevance and and uh, identification and vulnerability. But in my own family, um, depression has visited our family. Uh, my father actually, at, at one stage in his life, was diagnosed with mild depression, and and um, in ministry, and and I and I and I think there were times where he wasn't, and he was struggling with it because I, I, I lived, you know, with him. And, and, um, and then in my, the other side of my family, 
uh, I saw the extremes of mental illness manifest in um, generational suicide. So I saw um, uh, several instances of suicide on my mother's side of the family, which I won't go too deep into that because pretty, it's pretty uh, personal. Uh, I don't want to be sensitive to, to, my, to my mother, but really up close and personal stuff. Uh, um, and, and I remember being only uh, 16, 17 years old um, and feeling those feelings, uh, uh, extreme um, depression and visualization of, of my life, you know, uh, no more. And, 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 and even, you know, kind of can remember a exact spot where, you know, I would consider taking my own life. And, and, and I can remember the contributors to that in retrospect now, uh, I had family members that would call me on the phone and tell me they were about to take their life when I was seven and eight years old and navigating conversations with somebody struggling with, you know, suicide. And so I'm just sort of saying this because um, I, 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 I'm, I'm sensitive to it. And maybe that's why I haven't talked about it, because it's sensitive. Maybe I haven't talked about it because it was, it was up close and personal, the extremes of that. I think we have... Uh, a, a wide range of responses to the different pain that we experience. And it, it, we, way over here is this attack response, and way over here is this escape response. And I, the, the escape response was the response that uh, I'm talking about now, but I've actually seen both, both sides of that. But, but mental illness is the real, is the real deal, and, and yet it's not talked about Publicly. Re recently, I was watching, uh, in fact, just this last week, I heard about it and, you know, just kind of dug into it a little bit when it happened last quarter of last year. But there was a very influential pastor uh, in California, um, Inland Hills Church, where this pastor uh, was struggling with mental illness. He was placed on a mandatory... Um, a mandatory sabbatical. <laughs> it's kind of like you can't work here anymore, um, and we're going to call it rest. Um, and so he was put on this rest period for a four-month period because there were some external factors that were influencing his life, but they, they um, were catalytic for bringing out some of the pre-existing mental issues. In other words, the pressure revealed what was really going on under the hood. Is everybody tracking with me? And so... He came back after that rest. Um, I watched his first message back, and it was on mental illness and mental health, and fantastic message. And I thought to myself, this is incredible. If people do this, their lives will be changed, and, and, I, and I got so much out of it. And, um, and, that, and the following week, he took his life, and he left his wife and his two children and his, and his spiritual family. And, I, and my takeaway was... Um, everything that he said was right, but he just didn't do what he said. And I think there's a tendency for us as Christians, whatever the category of struggle, whatever the area of, um, you know, stress in our life or, or the gaps in our life is, we, we might have the solution right under our nose. We might have the answer right in front of us. We might even be telling somebody else what they should do but often we don't do or we don't, you know, swallow the same pill that we're asking everybody else to swallow. And I don't know what can be done about that. I'm just simply exhorting you 
charging you, kind of challenging you out of the gate, that a lot of times people want, you know, change, but they won't accept the process for change. Or sometimes we don't think we deserve it, maybe. Maybe we don't deserve to be healed or healthy. And we'll unpack some of the reasons why, you know, that is. But in addition, I think, and I'm kind of spitting some stuff like spaghetti in a wall. In addition, I think when you talk about this subject, there's a stigma with it. What I mean by that is, if you, especially in Christianity, especially in the church, you can come into the church and you can be broke and busted and struggling and hurts and habits and hang-ups in different areas of your life, mostly external. You can have a physical problem. You can have a physical disability. You can have a circumstantial issue. You can be broke. You know, you can have all kind of, and everybody can exercise a certain amount of compassion and sensitivity for that. But if you have a mental illness, people act funny. People like, oh, no, uh, keep your distance. I don't know about him, her. She's jacked up. You know, it's kind of what people are thinking in their head. And, and, and that's just not right. And what I, what I wanted to say about Connect, and I hope is, first of all, we're all susceptible to that. We're all susceptible to mental illness and to depression and anxiety and all kinds of other disorders that have to do with your mind. Um, in fact, 350 million people in the world are currently struggling with depression, clinical de- depression. I, quote, I quoted it wrong last week. I said in the country, but it was, it's in the world. It's only 350 million people in America, but in the world. That's a lot of people that struggle with this. So we need to have uh, come to a place, uh, find a place, feel safe in a place where it's okay not to be okay. It's okay. Can I have a better amen for that? We need to be a place, connect, whoever's listening that calls this their home, where it's okay not to be okay with what's going on between the ears. And I, I just want to do a better job modeling that message and, and ministering to all aspects of holistic health, you know, kind of as we go forward. So this whole thing, serious, depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. 90% of those who died uh, by suicide had an underlying mental illness, you know, um, I, I believe my, my grandfather on my mother's side of the family, you know, he shot himself in the head. And it was, it was premeditated. And his son killed himself the exact same way, the same method, and the same placement of the gun as his father. And, and behind that, though, was a lot of mental battles that had been lost over a long period of time. And I didn't say that in the first service. I don't know why I'm saying that in the second. But I want you to know that what I won't address today a lot, maybe a little bit, is there's two sides to, I think, mental health from a Christian perspective. There's a discipleship side, and there's kind of a deliverance side. What do I mean by that? Well, I I, I think that... The Bible says the truth that you know sets you free. So you can't just have truth. You have to have known truth. It's revelational truth. It's, it's like a woman knows she's pregnant truth. She, I, I know my wife was pregnant, but she knows she's pregnant. 
She's carrying the baby. God wants us to have that kind of knowledge of truth. When you have that, you can be set free. Sometimes people, the chronicity of it and the length of it and the duration of it and the strangulation of it is so grievous that we almost need, we need, a, we need a surgical support that comes, I believe, from the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, I believe that if we don't, then we see some of these extremes. See, suicide is a permanent, irreversible solution, I believe, to a temporary problem. And you don't have to die to end your pain. That's, 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 the, that's the, the enemy lies to us and convinces people, some in this room who struggled with this, some listening to my voice, that you have to die to end your pain. You don't. It's, it's just a temporary, it's a temporary problem, but we can't apply a permanent solution. And, and, but the Bible talks about this problem a lot. It's super relevant. If you, you know, we just don't talk about it the way we should. Jeremiah had a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. He was depressed for the whole book. Isaiah was known as the weeping prophet. You know, uh, you know, he, you know, he'd say, "Whoa, is me," and he'd have all these different things that he'd say. You could see the the the, the emotion, and you see David. Uh, you know, there were different times you could be reading a psalm, and you think he's losing his mind, and then he would gain the mind of, of God back before the end of the psalm. He was just kind of working it out. In Psalm 62, it says he poured his heart out towards God like a pitcher. He just got it all out. He processed out loud instead of inside. And you see, you see other people in the Bible. Elijah, a lot of times passionate people that have extremes um, you know, are more prone or, or uh, susceptible to mental illness. You have super highs, and as a result, you have super lows. So my worst day is Sunday night and Monday. Church is awesome. Where I'm the most vulnerable is Sunday night and Monday. And, and, it's, and it's typically on Monday I'm alone too. And so that, that can be dangerous as well. And so I have to build in like family time and check in with Stacy. And I spend time with my grandkids every single Monday. And, and why? Because I, I, need to, I, I need to know myself. I need to be careful about those things. Everybody with me? But... I want you to know, I'm, I'm not a counselor, so I'm not, I'm not going to come up here. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I believe there's different types of treatment that have benefits that are related to those. Uh, you know, a psychologist has more uh, medical solutions, medical treatment. Uh, a, 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 psych, uh, you know, a psychiatrist, excuse me, a psychologist will have more psychotherapy and, 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 and more a, emotional tools and, and kind of... Um, uh, mental, you know, mental tools to help people, behavioral modifications and things like that. that. That's not my specialty. I teach the Bible. And so I'm a pastor. So I'm going to pastor people through the lens of the Word of God, which I believe, I believe trumps those other therapies. See, I believe you're a triune being. I believe you have, I believe you have a body. I believe you have a mind. And I believe you have a spirit. When you come to know Christ... The spirit is made alive. You receive certain benefits and power, and you also get a new hierarchy that if cultivated, the spirit should have jurisdiction of your entire soul if we feed it and nourish it and train it right. Does that make sense to everybody? And so while I believe you, there's, there's things we need for our body in order for us to be mentally healthy, there are chemistries and physiology and things need to be adjusted, while I believe... There are things we can do. Like, I'm not against people being on medication. I'm not against that. What, what, and sometimes I think it's like marriage. Uh, is everybody okay right now? I'm like totally off book right now. Uh, um, in marriage, 
Sometimes you're not able to fix a problem that you have together while you're together. And so a good counselor will say, you go to your corner, you go to your corner, so that you can come back together later stronger. So it's, we, we, separation in the world today is seen as one step towards divorce. Separation in the kingdom of God is one step towards reconciliation. Amen. Can I have a better amen in this church, okay? And so, so medications are a way for us to temporarily be able to deal with something without the added pressure of dealing with everything at the same time. But the goal should be, I believe, as a Christian, to be dependent on, exclusively on, lean on, learn from, follow, be filled by the Holy Spirit, not by anything else. So this is just a temporary solution. So it's okay. We just don't want to be on it forever. Is everybody with me? And we shouldn't judge people that are on that. Any more than we judge people if they had, you know, a heart problem or they had high blood pressure. We, we don't judge that, but we judge people that are on medications. For, it, it's crazy. It's, it's, it, I shouldn't even use that word. I don't mean that that way. So I'm going to come to you from the Word of God, and I'm going to do it as fast as I can, but as sensitively as I can, because I know this is relevant to people who are in this room. The Bible says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 23, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Uh, it, 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 you know, we have a phrase, we say, uh, my wife will say this when it comes to giving her flowers, because she's not a big fan of that, but I'll say sometimes to her, honey, I thought about giving you flowers, because I know I get points with her, because she'll say to me, honey, it's the thought that counts. Now, some of, you wives don't get, some of you wives don't give credit like that with your husbands, but my wife does with me, praise the Lord. But uh, there are other things that wouldn't work, but it works in our house. But in, in, in mental health, it is definitely the thought that counts. In fact, basically, here's your big idea if you're writing things down and taking notes, because I know you love to take notes in this church. Feelings don't shape your life. Beliefs do. Feelings don't shape your life. Next week, I might talk a little bit about feelings. I'm probably going to sing the whole song, the old song, Feelings, because I haven't done it in about five years, <laughs> for some of you who've been here. And it'll be good. Um, okay, no, just kidding. So just come back for that. But, but you need to be, your thoughts shape your life. In fact, why should you manage your mind? Because if you don't, it'll, go un it'll be uncontrollable. Here's the reason you should manage your mind, because my thoughts control my life. In fact, here's the same text I just read from a different translation. It says, it says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped, fashioned, formed by your thoughts. Every single action that occurs in your life was precipitated by a certain thought. If you had a bad action, it's because it was preceded by a bad thought. If you had a good action, it was preceded by a good thought. So your thoughts cannot be taken uh, lightly. You can't have just you know, a cavalier outlook on uh, your thought life because it is shaping your life. It is, it is giving you direction uh, to your life. Feelings don't shape your life. Beliefs do. And so powerful are your beliefs that they don't have to be true uh, to, 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 for you to follow them. Some people, are, some people are accepting truths spoken over you as a child that you are still living out today. You'll never amount to anything. You know what I mean? Uh, one, of my, one of my friends was just telling me just a, few, just a few minutes ago between services that the parents were just, you know, you know just in condescending ways and in inappropriate ways. Just, you know, you know we don't, just, I can't remember the quote, but it's just different things that are spoken over them. And of course, they end, 
they, a lot of people end up believing those things. They don't even have to be true, and they're shaping their lives. Our words that result thought, word, deed. That's the cycle of life. It's also the cycle of sin, thought, words, deeds. And so, it's, and that leads me to my next point is, why do we manage our mind? Because my mind is the battleground for sin. All temptation is, is in the mind first. It's not external it's internal first. You didn't see something and then do something. You thought something about what you saw and that thought that you spoke and then you, then you acted on. A thought word deed is, again, it's the cycle of life, but it's also the cycle of sin. And so there's no temptation that doesn't first come about between your ears. Your mind is, in essence, the battleground, the battlefield. Pride, lust, envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, rejection, whatever it is, that you wrestle with, it started in between your ears. In fact, the Apostle Paul describes it like this in Romans 7, very familiar text. He said, um, I love to do God's will. I think you do too. I know I do. In fact, I, I, I tell God, sometimes when I make a mistake, the first thing I tell him is, I didn't want to do that. I love you. You know? But he says, so far as my new nature is concerned, but, how many know big butts always get in the way? It's good preaching, but maybe inappropriate. Okay, but, but there's something else deep within me that's at war within my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin within me. It's inside. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself enslaved to sin. So the battle's in your brain. It's 24 hours a day. That's why sometimes many of you are you're tired but you're really tired because you're mentally fatigued. You could sleep all day, every day, all day, every day, and you're still tired. You know why? Mental fatigue. Statistically, they say, this is what psychologists say, it takes four times more rest to recover from mental fatigue than physical because it's a deeper exhaustion. It's a deeper exhaustion. So sometimes you're, that's why sometimes you find people and you know them and you might be one, where you, you don't want to face the day. You want to pull the covers up. You want to sleep long periods of time. If you're sleeping long periods of time, that's one of the indicators of a path towards mental illness because there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on inside you, and it can be very, very intense because your mind is your greatest asset, and whatever gets your attention gets you. Gets you. That's why Jesus said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's why it says in Colossians 3, set your affections on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because whatever gets your attention gets you, right? Number three, write this down. Uh, here's another reason we want to manage our mind, because it's the key to peace in life. It's the key to peace in life. The peace comes when you manage your mind. An unmanaged mind leads to tension, but a managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure, but a managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos, but a managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to stress, but a managed mind leads to strength. Amen? You guys get what I'm saying? So we have to manage our mind. This is an incredible asset that sometimes we're just wasting. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, the Bible says, If your sinful nature controls your mind, there's death. Death doesn't mean just physical death. It's talking about you're not experiencing life. To the full. If your sinful nature is controlling your mind, 
you're experiencing the opposite of life and peace. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and there is peace. This is part of that division between discipleship and deliverance. See, sometimes it's, we'll talk about the promises part, the word part of God, but there's also a relationship part with God. The Holy Spirit, we have to invite him into our life on a daily basis. You need to get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, I need you afresh today. I don't want to live on yesterday's experience that we had. You know, I don't want to. See, sometimes we're living on letters and not person-to-person encounters. When my wife and I were in college, we would go home for the summers. It was old school. We didn't have phones and FaceTime and all this kind of stuff. We had smoke signals and Dixie cups. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. But we would write letters to each other. And those letters were awesome, don't get me wrong, but it was nothing like seeing her face to face. And some of you, you just need to understand, we're not talking about it a lot today, but you can't just live on the letters of God, you have to live on the encounters with God. And you invite him into your life, and when the Holy Spirit is invited into your life, he'll control your life, and you will have life and peace in every day, amen? And so there's some things that fundamentally control your life, there's some pillars uh, some choices, and these choices, if, if um, taken advantage of, will increase your ability to keep a healthy mind or to have the mind of Christ. And, and, and when you make these choices, your will gets stronger. Your will sits on the throne of your feelings and, and your emotion and your desires. Is everybody tracking with me? Your will, so if there was a chair... Underneath the chair is your feelings and your, your emotions and your desires. The will is on that chair, okay? Now, we have to have Christ on that chair with us to make the right choices, and that's why we want to surrender our life to Christ. But as we exercise that will, surrendered to Christ, then that will becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And so there's three choices, daily choices, daily choices we have to make to have a healthy mind. The first one is I must free my mind. Excuse me, feed my mind. Feed it. Now, we all know the importance of nutrition, yes or no? I hope we do. But many of us don't do what we know to do, right? But we know that you have to have a certain number of of some good nutrition. You have to have good calories in order to have healthy, healthy bodies. It's the same way with your thought life. You have to have to have a healthy mind. You have to feed it the right things. In fact, there's this uh, organization that meets every single day in Oxford University. It's called Oxford Analytica. Oxford Analytica is a group of uh, leaders and scholars that evaluate world happenings, things, financial crisis, things that are going on, whatever in the Middle East, major weather catastrophes, crop prices, blah, blah, blah. They evaluate all those things, and their job is to provide essential information to the best leaders so they can make the best decisions, and then they try to figure out who are the people that should communicate those things worldwide. And they put out every single day the Uh, Oxford Analytica report, and people pay big bucks for that report, Uh, and people like the CIA and the Republic of Russia and China and big corporations, they'll pay for this. And the, the premise or the foundational idea of this organization is that the best leaders make the best decisions if they've been given the best information. Now, you are not a member of Oxford Analytica, but you need the best information to make the best decisions to have your best life now. 
your best life now. That's a Joe Osteen comment right there. I just want you to know that I, I know that book. Okay, sorry. So you need, you, and you have that in your hand or in your house or on your phone every single day. You have the word of God to help you make the best decisions. But a lot of times we are minimizing and marginalizing the power that the Bible talks about. These are promises, 7,000 promises in the Bible. And they should be viewed as personal prescriptions for every ailment you have. And I don't have time to show you all of them, but there are, there are promises for back pain. There are promises for sleeping well at night. There are promises for prosperity. There are promises for your kids uh, uh, coming to Jesus. There are promises for healing. And there are promises for you to have mental health. But you have to apply them daily. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says uh, this. It says, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. When should you do that? You should do it all day long. Because the same is true in the, in the physical is true in the spiritual. The, if you are a nutritionist or you were some kind of a, a health doctor of sorts or, and you believed in, in, in that, you would tell people one of the best ways to stay healthy is kind of eat uh, small meals all day long. Uh, kind of graze, kind of, kind of, you know, it's kind of continuous. Why? So your body stays kind of like a furnace. It stays what we call catabolic. You stay, you stay like a furnace all day long. You're, you're efficient and healthy. That it's the same way with the Word of God. See, sometimes we're not chewing, we're not stewing on the Word of God. In fact, we're chewing and stewing on words that somebody else spoke over us or that we believed about ourselves. Sometimes that date back a generation in some of our lives. We're taking truths that we're taking words that became truth to us that somebody spoke over us and we're regurgitating it, thinking about it, chewing on it, swallowing it. This in psychology, this is called ruminating. Ruminating. We are ruminating on false beliefs and it is influencing and shaping our lives. And so we have to take in new truth to to basically we take in like we overseed to kill the weed, is what I always say. How do you kill the weeds in your lawn? Overseed to kill the weed. You got to put the best stuff in there. And so David said things like, I rise early to cry out for help and put my hope in your words. Another place he said, Lord, how I love your word. I think about it all day long. Another place he said, even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. David was going to bed, and then he'd wake up, and he'd wake up, and he'd say, God, I just remember that word, and he would be stewing and chewing on the word of God. Do you think, why, why do you think he was a man after God's own heart? Why do you think he had such favor in his life? Because these were the practices that he had in his life, amen? Number two, write this down. The next thing you want to see in your life is you want to see, I must uh, not only feed my mind, where is that? Uh, it's already there? Okay, well, it's not on my screen for some reason. Okay, I must, free, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. So your mind, many of, your, many of you, most of you, needs to be liberated, uh, released in some way. We're prisoners of our thoughts, a lot of us. And, and we don't realize how important our thought life is. Somebody could have told you that, uh, I know one person where their parent told them they were going to be clumsy. They were clumsy, always clumsy as a kid. And they were having all kinds of accidents and problems as an adult because they accepted what somebody else said about them. You act in accordance with the way you see yourself. And so we need to free our mind. But sometimes there are these contributors 
these, these enemies that tag team on your mind to try to shape it the wrong way. And I want to give you these three enemies real quick because you've said things like, I want to change this, or my plan is to do this, and then it never happens. Why? These three enemies. Write this down if you're taking notes, okay? Let me ask you this question. Have you ever done something, engaged in something self-destructive? Has anybody ever done? You know, I, I know this isn't good for me, but... And then you swallow the whole Entenmann's Danish. The whole bag of chips. You're like, last night, last night I was at a party for my daughter-in-law, and, 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 and I'm gluten-free. And so, and there was a cake... And this cake was in the middle of the table, and, it, and there was a light that came from heaven. And, and it shined right on it, and it was sparkling the blueberries and the lemon that mixed together with the beautiful frosting. And, and, and it lured me in, you know what I mean? And I, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to do that, but I did it anyway, Romans 7. And so why? Why? Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Your sinful nature. That's your first enemy, okay? The three forces that are working against your mind being healthy is your old nature, your sinful nature. This is the war within you that Paul was talking about, okay? That's the war within you. And Romans 8 and Romans 7 talk about. Then there's the war against you. Listen, and that's Satan. Everybody say, Satan. Satan. You probably don't say that many places, you know what I mean? Don't do that in a grocery store. Don't do that. At Walmart. Well, Walmart might work. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, I'm just kidding. So you have, you have this war within you. You have this war against you. And Satan wants to control your mind. He can't unless you give him permission. You consistently, you know, the Bible says the devil goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So that means you can, you can give your authority over to him, and then he can have, he can have jurisdiction over you. But if, if not, what he'll continue to do is he'll send these brain bombs to you. And he'll do it through people, and he'll do it through media, and he'll do it through music. Sometimes he just does it direct. Like, has anybody ever prayed before? You're pr- I've been praying, and as I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm seeking God, I'm going to God, I'm talking to the big guy, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of that, I get this crazy thought. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, half of you are holy, the other half are normal. Yeah. Like, no, I'll never have that happen. I'm, I'm Jesus with skin on right now. Okay, so, see, see. But we have a responsibility in that situation. Martin Luther said, you know, that he said something like, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from pooping in your hair. In other words, you have to move out of the way when those brain bombs come. You have to dodge them. You have to reject them. You have to resist them. In addition, you don't have to believe everything you think. It's amazing. I'll be talking to somebody and they're in incredible conflict. They're, they're struggling. It's not the activity that's got them stressed out. It's the relationship thing that's got them stressed out and depressed and freaked out. But it's a lot of times because they thought something and they believed it as if it was true. They made a negative assumption. Assum- I call it the sin of assumption. We, we, when we don't have information, our nature fills it in with the negative. But it doesn't, it's not always true. In fact, a lot of times it's not true. And so if you can come to the place where you don't believe everything you think, you're on the road to mental health. Can I have an amen? But Satan, by the way, he's just going to keep bombarding. As soon as you get up in the morning, if you're a child of God that is trying to please God, you're going to get up in the morning and Satan's going to meet you there as soon as you wake up. Today's not going to be a good day, Derek. Today's not going to be a good day. You probably shouldn't even get out of bed. You shouldn't even start. 
this message that you're doing right now, it sucks. <laughs> Nobody's going to like it. In fact, you're going to offend a lot of people and they're not going to want to come back to your church anymore. And he can do something to you. He can just, he can make you feel bad about yourself. He can just tell you, I mean, you are so ugly. I don't care what you wear. It ain't going to change that. You know, he can say all kinds of things. That's just what he does. He gives you reasons to give up. But if you wake up and Satan's there, you're probably going in the right direction. That should encourage you in the strangest of way. But the enemy comes in and he brings, the enemy brings temptation. God brings inspiration. And so God's bringing inspiration into your thoughts. The devil's bringing temptation into your thoughts. And you're chewing and stewing on those two things, coming up with your own thoughts. And we call that stupidity. Temptation, inspiration, stupidity, okay? And so in 2 Corinthians 2.11, uh, Paul said something like this. He was, he was forgiving somebody, and he recognized a problem, and he said, I've forgiven that man so that Satan won't outsmart us, for we are very familiar with his evil schemes, his little sniper attacks upon us. And so what he's basically saying here is, I've become, as a Christ follower, familiar with the traps of the enemy in my thought life. And this is what I want to say. Are you familiar with his traps? Because his traps are classic. <laughs> They're not even original. He keeps doing the same things over and over again for some of you, and you keep falling for it. We need to be familiar with his trap. So sometimes it's the inner self. Sometimes it's the, it's, the, it's the sinful nature. Sometimes it's Satan against you. And the last one is the world system or values. That's, that's what's going on around you that are attacking your mind. In you, against you, around you. Culture, by the way, is not doing anything to help you be more disciplined in your mind. Like Nothing. Think about it. Does anything in society encourage you in your thought life? No. Every advertisement is feeding the negative part of you, the flesh, the carnal part of you in every single way. It's promoted by media and music and culture, and, and, and it's crazy how much it's happening. And it's telling you things like, you know, um, uh, have it your way. You know, uh, you deserve a break today. Uh, obey your thirst. I love all those taglines, but think about how it's feeding you basically saying, be an animal, do whatever you want, follow your feelings, follow your loins, follow your longings. That's the message from culture. And the Bible says it's a trap. It's a big, 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 big trap. And so in 1 John 2.16, the Bible says it like this. All that's in the world system, the lust of the flesh, that's passion, the lust of the eyes, that's possession, and the pride of life is not of the Father, it's of this world. You could say sex and salary and status. That's the enemy's classic traps. And you have to pay attention to those in order to maintain or obtain mental health. And the battle to overcome those is also in the mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, Though we live in this world that's attacking us around us. Though Satan is dropping bombs and coming against us, though my sinful nature within me wants to bend, I live in the world, but I don't war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. They have divine power. What does it say? To demolish. Everybody say demolish. demolish. Earlier, a scripture was read where Satan wants to dominate you. You have to have a converse a uh, counter punch where you're saying, no way, I'm demolishing. You're trying to dominate me. I'm going to demolish you. 
And it says demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds what? In our minds. What are those? Arguments. Pretensions. What's a pretension? It's a thought that you put above God's thought. It's, it's you trying to give it the higher place. And it sets itself up against God. So what do you do? Take captive that thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, this is warfare language. See, a stronghold, a stronghold, you can write this in your notes, a spiritual stronghold is a lie that we buy. Most of your mental health issues are because of a stronghold. A stronghold is a lie that we buy. It's not true. The Bible says the truth that you know will set you free, but you take a truth it's not true, and you accept it, you buy it, you adopt it, and that becomes a foothold for the enemy. And if you keep believing that, that foothold becomes a stronghold. So it's as if you let a person into your house, they just got a foot in the door, and then you accepted their entrance and you accepted it time and time again. Eventually, they get right in the house and they begin to squat in your mind. And so to overcome those strongholds, you have to recognize the lie and you, you superimpose the truth upon that lie and that truth will cancel. It's, it's, it's demonic, diabolical. Uh, you, it's, it totally, it's a ploy and plot of the enemy. Strongholds can come in the form of a belief. It can come in the form of a, a philosophy of life. It can come in the form of an attitude. Some people, uh, it could just be, I, 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 I'm, you know, I don't believe God loves me. That's a lie. I don't believe God has what's best for me. That's a lie. That lie can become a stronghold, and that stronghold can arrest your thoughts from being free. Is everybody with me right now? You can have like a philosophy or a, va- a false value system. What is that? Hedonism. It's, life is all about pleasure. It's about me, 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 me. Uh, it can be, uh, it can be uh, materialism. Life is all about making money. See, that's a lie. It's not about those things. It's about secularism. You know, I exalt what I think above what God thinks. All those things, if you base your life on that lie, you can find yourself in bondage and you wonder why you're struggling mentally. It can also be an attitude, a personal attitude. Well, I'm never going to forgive that person. That's a lie. That's a bondage. See, if you ever want forgiveness, you're going to have to forgive. Well, I'm never going to forgive myself. Okay, so you've, you've basically saying that God's grace wasn't sufficient for you, that he got on the cross, that the Father sent his one and only son to die for you, but that wasn't good enough. So you're going to try to work for it now. Well, the Bible says your works are filthy rags in comparison to the finished work of the cross. And so you've bought a lie, and you put it above what the cross did for you and all of humanity. Can you see that? And that becomes a bond. Well, I'm not going to forgive somebody else. I'm not going to forgive uh, myself. I'll never amount to anything. I heard people tell me, I'll never see my 21st birthday when I was growing up. And they're dead because they believed a lie. They believed a lie. These are lies that we must demolish. Last night for entertainment, I was watching a comedian smash watermelons just so I could get a picture of what it was like to demolish something. You need a picture of what it takes to manage and to, and to see your mind set free because behind every, behind every bondage, there's a lie. There's a lie that we've accepted. We, so we have to take these things captive. We have to make them obedient. We have to bring them into submission. Next week, we're going to talk more about how to, you know, how to mind your mind, how to make your mind mind you. Amen? 
Are you guys getting something out of this? I'm going to continue next week on this and build upon this. I'd like you to do this. Put your notes away. Put your Bibles away. And uh, I want to pray for you. <laughs> Got another whole point. I know I didn't get to it, but I didn't get to it in the first service. And so God knows what he's doing. Amen? Don't worry. Just be here next week and we'll continue. You get something out of this, everybody? <clears throat> All right. Praise the Lord. Do this for me. Would you, uh, would you just close your eyes and, and bow your heads for a minute? This is what I want to say, and hopefully sensitively. And if, if you're here today with, and you've struggled at one point in your life, maybe now, or you know someone who's struggling with mental illness, would you just do me a favor? Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I, I know someone, or that's me, because I, I want to pray for them. And you're going to be the point of proxy for that person. And if it's for yourself, you can just put your hand on yourself. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm just going to ask God to begin something in this series and in this service today. Father, for every single person today that connects with this message, some that it's even hard just to raise your hand, but you know it's true. Some of you getting ready to, you know, you thought about some bad things. I pray that those thoughts that are, that are above God's thoughts for you, those pretensions, be demolished in Jesus' name by the presence and power of God. I pray, Lord God, that you would go right into their minds in the name of Jesus and that they would see that you do love them and that you have plans for them and a hope and a future. And, Lord, that it's your purposes that want to prevail in their lives. And you, can, you work all things together for good. And if it's not good yet, it's because it's not done yet. You work all things together for good to them that love you and are called according to your purposes. And I pray you turn all these things that, are, that they're struggling with inside the mental realm, Lord, and you work them for good, that you give them insight and revelation to the lies that they bought and the bondages, Lord, that have been a, a byproduct of that. And I pray you set people free in their minds. I pray that you use the people that are in this room to minister truth and, and grace to the people who are struggling in their sphere of influence. Lord, I pray they'd be agents of change and they'd be agents of hope to those people in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that the peace of God that passeth all understanding, that's a big statement that we pray a lot but don't sometimes ponder. I pray that be a reality for people, that there be peace, not that the world gives, a supernatural peace that only you can give that would be upon the people that are in this room today. And I pray that they would, they would, they would take a stand and they would manage their minds and not let the enemy rule and reign anymore in their life in Jesus' name. And for every person that's here today that's far from God, before you can fight with the weapons that he has for you, you have to meet him first. You have to know him first. And maybe you're here today for the first time and you've never met Jesus. Come into relationship with God. It's not religion. It's not about going to church. You may never come back to church again. That's not what it's about. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus came from heaven to earth to make a way for you to be right with God forever. And so he lived this sinless life. He died to pay for your sins, whether you realize it or not. He rose on the third day so you could overcome every day in your life. And you realize that right now, that there's something to it. And you want to give your life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me, Pastor. I don't want to go another day without being connected to God. Through Jesus Christ. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am, right here. Is there anybody else that says that's me? I don't want to go another day. Not one more. Not one more. Good and high so I can see you. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, thank you for your courage. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? 
And those people that just raised your hand, mean this from your heart. Say it with your mouth. Say, Jesus, I confess and I believe that you are my Savior and my Lord. I receive these words that were spoken that are in agreement with your word. Today is the day of salvation for me. I want to know you personally, and I want you to know me. And I thank you for salvation. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, I pray that you seal it unto the day of redemption, that your name now is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And in this moment, we, we rejoice with the angels that are rejoicing in heaven for those decisions in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Shout out to God. Hallelujah. Amen.